episode 112, Blake Bayer. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Today, I'm with a young, thriving leader who is doing great things in the construction trades industry. Here's the Cliff's Notes. He has 4% turnover in his business. Wow. I'm ready to learn from him. Blake Bayer is the president of Ridgeline Electrical Industries, and he's got lots to share. Blake, welcome to Gut Plus Science. I'm so excited you're here today. You're doing amazing things in the the trades industry. And just so many people need to hear these stories about what's happening at Ridgeline Electrical Industries, you know, from writing books to having your own podcast to figuring out ways of coaching people at all generations. I'm super pumped to capture your knowledge, your genius on this show today. So welcome to the show. What does it mean to invest really in invest in your culture as a leader. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for having me. You know, honestly, I always like to get kind of on the same page when we use that word culture, like real quick, because I know it's super easy for us to talk about culture like it's this living thing, like almost an animal. And so it's not, it's living in the sense that it's like a garden or a forest or something like that. But real early on in our company, one of my partners, we were looking at potentially acquiring another company. And one of my partners, um, we we just kind of honestly, we came down to this point that we were like, I don't think this is it. And the reason I don't think this is it is I think our cultures are so different. And the environments that we use here are so different that I just don't think it's going to work. And one of my partners said, well, I mean, it's, it's our company, we'll just make the culture whatever we want it to be. And we had such a heated, heated conversation that finally uh, he was so frustrated. He was like, well, what the hell is culture? And I was just like, oh, okay, this is where we need to focus first. And so for us, culture is, is really just the environment for growth, connection, fulfillment, and thriving. So for us, that's what culture is. It's, it's that environment. And so to really invest into culture as a leader, I think means putting a heavy focus on the environment to help your team reach the potential of that connection, of that growth, fulfillment, and them to really thrive. So um, it's kind of like, uh, I always use this polar bear analogy, uh, which is unfortunately a little fresh here in Indianapolis, but a polar bear can live in Indiana, but it doesn't thrive in Indiana. Now, the environment it thrives in is not an environment of ease. In fact, it's completely opposite. The the environment is like the Arctic. It is a freezing, rigid, cold place and place I never want to be, but that's where it thrives. And so I think that's what we have to figure out is how do we figure out the right environment for our team to thrive regardless of generation, right? Regardless of whether they're a boomer or a Gen X or a millennial or a Gen Z, how do we help them thrive in that environment? And so we spend a ton of time focused on on those key areas as how will they connect to the work, to the culture. And we so we just spend a relentless amount of time focused in those areas. That's so good. And I love how you said, hey, let's take a step back and define culture first and get on that page. And one reminder is that 
even if you're not working on your culture as an organization or as a leader, you still have one. There's a culture there and it's much better to be proactive. This is probably one of those things, you know, most of us uh, overlook many things and we don't get ahead of things to be proactive and have a plan for them. And this is one of those make or break things. You should because your culture, even if you're not working on it, there's definitely one there. And I'm going to guess that if you don't have a proactive plan, that culture is like that polar bear example in Indiana. So thank you for sharing that. I want to go down the path because when we prepped and, and had my you know intro call with you, I was so impressed by what you're doing, especially in the trades, because I think you know it's, it's a, it, an area of type of business that so many people are struggling to find talent, to keep talent, to really make the industry attractive and just help people thrive at all levels and all ages. And I think the challenging thing that you hear a lot is how do we attract the younger generations and how do we keep the older, right? And you have really cracked a code on figuring out how to tap into the different generations at work. So talk to us about what you mean when you're creating a culture for your people, people of all different kinds. Like talk to us about how you're doing that proactively. As far as like, I like, I love what you said about culture in the sense that like, no matter if you're working on it or not, you've got it very similar to um, like gardening. Like even if you do nothing in your garden, like weeds are growing. And so we know and found out really quick that, you know, we came as far as we, my partners and I came from a place that had horrible culture and didn't care about people. Um, and so we really quick said that we need to figure out like, what are the top reasons? First off, people are leaving. I know we're always looking for talent and I'll definitely hop on that real here in a minute, but I think we're also seeing talent leave just as quick. And so we said, how could we have a really, people didn't leave our company. How could we make that happen? And so we looked at first the top three reasons people left a company. And the first one was appreciation. The next one was communication and culture. And the last was people's ability to grow or their perceived ability to grow. And so we put a ton of focus on those three areas said, okay, we're going to focus on those things and then let's see what happens. And what we started to see as we saw multiple different generations coming in was that we needed to first completely redefine what the infrastructures or the trades really are. And so it's for so long has been this um, almost like this picture of somebody who, well, if you don't go to college, you'll do this or like even the picture that people have of people in the construction, unfortunately, is like this burnout person who hates their life. And that just doesn't connect to, to what people want. And that's purpose. They, they need to be able to connect to that purpose. And so we started looking and saying, well, what are, what are the things that people would want to connect to? How could people find purpose in the, and for us specifically, in the electrical infrastructure? And so we just started looking at, hey, you know what's awesome about this industry is that you both get to use your brain and your hands. And we need to just highlight how fulfilling that is to get to do both. And so we started putting a ton of time and speaking to people just on that. But really, like when you look at generational makeup here, we do have a lot of differences differences on how we learn, differences on how we view work and how we believe a company actually grows, how these different generations define loyalty or how they communicate or 
we've all had different struggles and what shaped us. But the thing is, is that every one of these generations cares about purpose. They absolutely care about purpose. And so I think a lot of times we just miss the boat and giving people purpose, giving people a clear vision, showing people not that, yeah, you can grow. And that's why one of the uh, top three reasons people leave a company is the perceived ability to grow is because we don't do a good job as leaders showing people how uh, and coming alongside them and coaching them to that. So we saw pretty early that after a couple of our annual reviews, <laughs> when we would say, hey, so what's your, uh, what, like, what's your big goal for the year? And they would tell us the goal. And then next year, when we asked that same question, it was the same goal for their next year. We were like, hold on. Yeah, you can't like we got to we got to have some accomplishment here. And so we started spending a ton of time on, well, maybe maybe we need to be coaching the whole person and showing people how to go to that next level, because especially with these younger generations, they're looking for someone to come alongside them. And, and honestly, I think we all are. I'm pretty sure it was Mark Twain who said that the chief one of man is for someone to come alongside him and help him do what he can. And so we're all looking for someone to help us on that next step. But I think a lot of times us as leaders and CEOs, we don't, we don't want to invest that time because it's painful or it's time consuming. And it is, but I've, I've, I'm a parent of four kids. And even though it's time consuming and hard, it's still enjoyable. It's still something that we should do. So anyway, yeah, I, I think it's spending a ton of time. And I realized as well that this coaching thing is not just a millennial thing. And it's not just a Gen Z thing. Gen Xers and boomers, they all want someone to help them do the things they can. And, you know, we were just having this conversation last night about kids and uh, ties right in with what you were saying. You know, if you spend time, you know, with your kid, with the neighbor kid, whatever, pouring into them and just asking them questions and showing them that, you know, what they're doing matters. You see the energy that comes back and how much they engage with you versus like if you're like, oh, how was your day? Very limited conversation. It's like they're back on their device. Right. And so it's truly that you get out what you put in. And kids receive that same way as well. And it's such a great practice that if, you know, if you spend time doing the hard work to engage kids in conversation and ask open-ended questions, you're going to get a conversation out of it versus right back to the device and screen time, right? So, so, so good. I have a real quick question that I don't want to take down a, a path because I want to bring us back to what you were talking about, but I know our listeners want to know this. What mechanism did you use to find out that the number one reason people leave is appreciation? How'd you guys do that? Honestly, I just started doing a ton of research. I knew that especially when you work at a place that you experience such bad culture. Uh, it's really easy to just think that that's the way businesses are. But I just started like getting really curious, like, why, why is this happening? Like, why, why do I hate this culture so much? And, you know, I, I just started researching and I think it was Glassdoor who says that 81% of employees are motivated to work harder when their boss shows appreciation for their work. Well, then I think that the, reciprocal is also true that when you don't show appreciation for your people, they're going to, they're going to leave. It's going to be a key indicator for people to say, if this place doesn't care. I'm not going to give my best. I'm not going to give my perspective, which is so like in a culture of like creativity and like collaboration, 
you want everybody's creativity. You want everybody's experiences and voice because like, um, and, and this is one of my favorite quotes, but uh, out of the book, Creativity Inc., they, they say that no idea is singular, that every idea is made up of thousands of different perspectives, experiences, and people. And when you come to that culmination of a good idea, it's because you've had all of that feedback, but people don't want to give their stuff if they don't feel where they're at is a safe place that they can grow and that they're going to be appreciated for their voice. So we've, uh, that's where, as we started just studying these things and seeing these things, and I mean, Gallup has tons of articles on this stuff, just about um, employee engagement and, and, and just why people leave. So I, I think you can do a ton of research and, and come up with just, <laughs> you start seeing the same things over and over, but when 80% of why people leave is made up of those three reasons, it's, it, you want to focus just on those three reasons and, and pay. It's so backwards to um, to a business owner is our minds think, uh, and no shame here because we all go here, but I believe there's, I'd have to find the statistic, but it says that like nine out of 10 business owners believe that the number one reason people leave is because of pay. But like when you look at most analysis, it's like 11 to 15% of people leave solely on the reason of pay. So it's it's just one of those things that you don't, our minds go there. And so then we motivate, we manipulate by the dollar. And that's that becomes a problem when that's the only thing you do. That's the only way you're going to gain loyalty. And out of all of those generations, the boomers, Xers, Zs, the millennials, none of them are, their main motivation isn't money. If it's something similar, it's closer to security or to um, like some kind of love-based fulfillment, but it isn't money. And so focusing on the other things is just so much more important. And I believe just a minute ago, you were talking about kids and that investment. So I teach uh, as well at a trade organization here in town. One night I was teaching probably 60, I would say the majority were Gen Z's and millennials. And I could just tell really quick that I had lost them that night and their eyes were glazing. And I was like, okay, I think I've lost them. And so I, I kind of like to stir shit up occasionally. So I just said, you know, hey, um, what do you think all the other generations think about you? And it was like all of a sudden a switch flipped and people I had never heard their voice before became incredibly emotional. Probably 20 minutes into the talk, I kind of had to like reel it back in because people were, I, I just saw like tears welling up. Oh, they think we don't care. They think we're just emotional and that we just don't want to do anything. And we do. And I just, something in my gut was just kind of yanking. And I finally said, if you're, if you're comfortable uh, answering here, you raise your hand, but how many of you grew up in a household that only had one parent or like your parents weren't together or whatever. And out of 60 people, only six did not raise their hand. And it was just like, holy crap, coaching is coming alongside people and, and as business owners, how often do we say, well, they're just, they're just lazy. They just don't do this. Well, how, how do they not know to do this? Well, because nobody's taught them. Nobody's come alongside them and done the work. And I promise you, when you invest in that work, the loyalty, I, I've never seen a loyalty better. It just, I haven't. And in an industry where the turnover rate is 43 to 58% a year, we're four. 
4% turnover. And it's because the loyalty is so much deeper because the care is there. That's incredible. So incredible. And I'm just so thankful that you're here today that we can learn from you. I've got so much to pack in with the rest of this episode. One thing that just keeps coming to me is the reminder that all of us should just ponder on a little bit here. Don't assume, you know, really get to know because just like, um, you know, we were talking about pay and, you know, less than 15% typically that's their like main driver for those 15%. There's a why on why that that is their main driver and to get to know that and for others that they work with to get to know that. I will never forget a story. I was doing a workshop one time and a gentleman raised his hand and said, my wife and I made a decision when we had our first child and they had six kids that we will homeschool and she will not work. And that my job is to go out and to make the income to have our kids be able to have a life that they're thriving in and all of that. And his main thing was work. And he felt like he had to defend that in this session. And because we were talking about really the four reasons people work is purpose, status, money, and influence. And we were doing this workshop on it. So I think one of the things that I'd love to hear from you is how have you had, you know, the different generations at work respect and thrive each other, thrive with each other as a practice? Like how have you found that, I don't know, medium that, that works to help the different generations respect and thrive together? Like I heard you say earlier, you know, helping people find their purpose and coming alongside them. That sounds like a great practice where, you know, if you're doing that in a group session and other people understand what each other's whys are, you start to build that respect just as an example. So I wanted to hear from you, how have you, for someone that is maybe first time career coming in, working with you and someone that is, you know, in their last five years, what have you found as best practices to help them meet in the middle? We are, um, we're an EOS company, just recently had it fully implemented in. And one of the things that we live and die by is our core values. And so when you hire by your core values, when you, when you focus strictly there, that's a really good starting place because the generational thing becomes really challenging if everyone doesn't know that we got to show empathy and empathy is the driver. And we, we all see things different. We all define things different. Like even earlier, just all the areas that I was mentioning about the differences in generations. I think it's helping people first to embrace the fact that we're different, embrace the fact that we all see things differently, but so much of, of our coaching and our development and our training is all focused around empathy. And so as we do that, we start to we start to understand one another. And I, I feel like that's where where our superpower has been is that as we have issues, one of our core values is we build trust through candor. And so it gives us a platform to say, like, hey, you know what? Like we build trust through candor, but what I'm what I'm hearing you say is this. And am I hearing you right? Like, like I've had guys go up to other guys and be like, hey, do you just hate me or something? And then it just like opens up this whole ability for them to grow together as a team. But it isn't, I don't think it's creating an environment where everyone is comfortable and feels like we're in this utopia. I think it's creating an environment where everyone can lean into the hard times and learn to show empathy for one another. Because even outside of this environment for our growth and to accomplish our purpose, we all live in the world outside of this. So this empathy thing is, it's much bigger. 
So good. And having those living core values inside of your organization. Cause how many times do you find that someone has the core values on the wall or they're on the website and you'd go and ask employees, so what are your core values? And they might be able to say one of them. And so just the power of bringing those to life and just those examples that you shared. Yes. Just so, so powerful. So Blake, you're a coach, you know, self-proclaimed like this is one of my jams to really tap into our people. And I want to break down the habits and best practices to shift and sustain a highly engaged culture using coaching and really tie everything together. We've been talking about with coaching as the mechanism. Talk about that. First thing is I always like to preface that I think one of the one of the types of uh, things in every culture that should be there is the ability to change. And I know that's not like maybe not change everything, but like help people be okay with adjustments. And so we've I found really quick when we started our company that especially when you start, you're pivoting a lot. And I needed people who were able to pivot with us. But at a certain point, what I noticed was all that pivoting became exhausting to our team. And so I would just say, first off, if you're going to implement any of this stuff, do it slowly and be consistent. So just as a mindset thing, like I know us as business owners and CEOs are so fast paced, we want quick results, but change is going to take time and it's backed by habitual change, right? Like habitual time-based like discipline. So having a culture that embraces change, but also doesn't think like, oh, they're starting up another thing. Here we go. It'll be here for another 10 days and then it'll flare out. Like you got to put in the time to be consistent. So some of the habits we have, uh, I coach two of my teammates every day, 30 minute call where we're digging into the holistic person. It's coaching and training. And we'll dig into the technical, but we'll also dig into the mindsets because us as leaders know that we're not here because we're really great technicians at what we do. In fact, I'm very average, but we're really good at having mindsets and seeing bigger pictures and being able to adjust to things. And I think that's where I want to help coaching is overcome certain mindset hurdles. Um, Make sure we're not a fixed mindset environment, but we're growth mindset. So a lot of the coaching is focused there. And sometimes You know, sometimes it takes a long time. I mean, even at one point, one of my highest performers, I was like, I think we need to let this person go. And one of my partners was like, I I think you need to give it a little more time. And so I started investing and I became very candid at that point, because at that point I was like, well, what do I have to lose? And when I got candid and honest and just transparent with them and their coaching, all of a sudden they're like my head of sales now. And it was because they got, a, they finally clicked for them. And sometimes it just takes time for something to click. But when it clicked, he was as hungry as I've ever seen anyone. And so we do that type of coaching. Uh, we do quarterly cultural interviews, uh, more like cultural feedback loops, where we ask a lot of similar questions that are just trying to get a pay, a, get a feel on where someone is with their teammates, with the the environment, whether they're connecting to purpose at a bigger level. We'll also um, have, this is, this is going to sound super millennial here, but we, we do what we call cultural oil changes. Uh, and that is that every 90 days, we do uh, just an outing. Sometimes it's with family. Sometimes it's just with us. Sometimes we're another team going out and taking on another electrical company playing paintball or something. But the whole purpose is to 
to build into the connection part outside of the thing that we all have in common, which is work, but it's just to build into that connection. So we'll do stuff like that as well. But yeah, it's just, it's just a constant, consistent focus uh, on that. If I had a theme for what all, you know, we've, we've found from Blake today, you know, Blake, I would say it's intentional connection among each generation, each person, each color, each whoever, right? Whoever it is, you know, here's the core. We're all humans. And if we as leaders just, hey, everybody's a human. If you take the time to be intentional and connect and ask questions and spend time, you'll get out what you put in. So this has just been so awesome. Thank you so much for the time. And we're going to do our lightning round now where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about Blake. This is really fun. So Blake, I love to ask this question, but I do it in two ways because I know it's hard. What is your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? (sighs) That's a hard one. I mean, it's not a hard one for my favorite all-time book. That'd be Creativity Inc. Ed Catmull with uh, uh, Pixar. Just like the business book full of stories that isn't really a business book. So it's it's just fantastic. My favorite recent read would probably be Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It was so good. <laughs> He's just such an interesting character. Blake, what is your favorite hobby when you're not working? Honestly, it's, it's more just chilling with uh, my wife and four kids. Uh, probably like we like to go out and go through the woods and longboard and stuff of that nature. But we just... I really like uh, just hanging out with them. And where's your favorite vacation spot? So favorite vacation spot would be Ireland for sure. Place is gorgeous, but we also really like going to Cedarburg, Wisconsin. Just kind of has a little bit of everything. And then Blake, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? Surprisingly, I'm not very active on social. I have a LinkedIn and I may have the other stuff. Uh, so you, you can connect with me for sure on LinkedIn or you can hit me up on email. Great episode with Blake today. Here's my truth you can act on. Number one, define culture. What does it look like? What do you want it to be? You've got to get really clear on the definition of where you're going and what you want your culture to be before starting the journey of creating it. Number two, everyone wants someone to invest in them. Remember that. Be that and help other leaders that you work with and that you inspire be that too. Everyone wants someone to invest in them. Number three, don't assume. Get to know whether it's in the stats of your organization or in conversations that you have. Really get to know your people and understand what's going on and what they need and make informed decisions. Use the data. And number four, Blake's passion area, sharpen your coaching skills, coaching. It's about listening. It's about spending time and in conversation with your people, really getting to know where they're at and how you can meet them where they are to help them go to the next place. So sharpen those coaching skills. Such a great episode. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.